1: The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host Scott Goldbranson and Mo
2: Welcome back. It's time for another edition of Silver and Black today. As we roll through training camp, we appreciate you being with us. We are an Odyssey Original podcast. That's right. We're coming to you on the Odyssey Network. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. Just search Silver and Black today. Put on that auto download for us. If you're watching us on, uh, excuse me, on YouTube. Thank you. Hit the subscription and the notifications bell as well. Thanks for being with us. I'm Scott Cobranson, joined by my co-host, Mo Moten. Mo is the National Senior NFL Writer over at Bleacher Report. You can follow him on X now. It's not Twitter anymore. Or can we call it Twix? Or that's a candy bar. Can't call it that, right, Mo? Um, But you can... <laughs> Call it whatever you want. I guess oh, That's What does cool. it matter? Uh, but you can follow him over there at Mo Moten, M O E M O T O N. You can also follow me at LV Gully. Just a quick rundown before we get started with today's show. We're going to get into news and roster updates. The Raiders out in camp. What's been going on? The first press conference yesterday with coach, excuse me, on Tuesday with uh, coach Josh McDaniels. Talk a little bit about that. Some roster updates, some big signings. Yes, one big one and another one uh, that was not unexpected. In the second segment, our Odyssey NFL insider, Ross Tucker, will be with us. We're going to go through a multitude of subjects with him, including the running back situation in the NFL, Josh Jacobs, the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, because he played for Josh McDaniels for a year in New England. So we'll talk to him about that. So Ross Tucker coming up in the second segment. And then the third segment, as we always do during the offseason here on Thursdays, is we are going to get to your mail also just want to say thanks to everybody out there listening to us on the bet in Las Vegas. Yes, we're back on the radio for the NFL season as camp rolls on. So if you're listening to us on Sunday morning, we appreciate you being with us, Uh, especially if you're listening on the odyssey app, the free odyssey app where you can rewind the show. Even if you miss it in the morning, you can go back and listen to it. So thanks for being with us. Okay, Mo let's jump right in. Of course, uh, Two things I want to touch on from the top of the show. One is Jimmy Garoppolo in camp, passes his physical. We we kind of talked about it, uh, him getting back on the field and that the Raiders wouldn't rush him. But I think that answered a lot of questions. He's ready to come back, at least from the one injury. Again, he's injury prone. So we 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 got to be careful here because we don't know how he's going to hold up with the rest of it, uh, but that was a big first step for the Raiders. Uh, he, as I, as I wrote on my first contribution on Raider Ramble just yesterday, the Raiders kind of hitching their wagon to Jimmy G, and and they've got to have a healthy quarterback out there as well. So so the first big step, I think. Now we haven't seen him throw, but that's okay. I think this is a big point for this team. And Josh McDaniels talked about Jimmy Garoppolo at length yesterday. Uh, about uh, what he needs to do to improve.
3: Yeah, Josh McDaniel said basically what I expected him to say. And what I've said on the show is Jimmy Garoppolo may be on the practice field, but they're going to ramp him up slowly. And Josh McDaniel said that that's what they do with every player coming off of injury is that there's a rehabilitation period or phase, and then there's a reacclimation phase. And my guess is Jimmy G is in the reacclimation phase where He's okay to go. No restrictions, as Vinny Bonsi you the Las Vegas if you Journal, asked, and with whether there be any restrictions on Jimmy G. and Joshua Daniel said no, but basically we're going to be careful with him, just so that there aren't any re-injury issues or a, a, a probability of him re-injuring that foot. Because remember, there's that addendum in his contract where if he does re-injure that foot, the Raiders can release him and not owe him any money. So. I expect a slow ramp up. You probably uh, reporters there present at training camp will probably see Jimmy G kind of toss the football around, but nothing strenuous in the first couple of weeks.
2: Yep, so that's good news. Also, the Raiders re-signed defensive tackle Kyle Pecko. They also re-signed defensive end Isaac Rochelle. Uh, so not you know these are depth and and I don't know that you could call Pecko a camp body because he did stick with the team last year. Of course, Rochelle played one game for the Raiders last year as well. But clearly, Mo, they, they they know these guys are familiar with the system, wanted to bring them back in, and they're there. Now, the big signing, Marcus Peters. We talked about our last show on Tuesday. We talked about the fact that this was pretty much imminent, and it was not a secret. Most people knew this, and a lot of people reported it several weeks ago, and we've been hearing it in circles for a long time. Marcus Peters makes it official. And as we talked about on Tuesday, and and I know our producer Mike Robier cut some social video that went that went went over well on Twitter, uh, excuse me, X, uh, and talking about the fact that Marcus Peters, getting a bad rap by some fans saying, oh, look what happened last year, but that was an aberration. So now Marcus Peters gets to come in. He's got a lot of pr- lot to prove. He gets a $5 million reported deal for the Raiders, which I think is a bargain for what you're getting, even if it's not the Marcus Peters of four or five years ago. This is an upgrade, and this is an upgrade in an area, the defensive backfield, spe- specifically a cornerback, that this team really needed Mo going into camp.
3: Right. So his reported contract, as Jordan Schultz reported, is one year up to $5 million. And I think that's a little less than what Rocky Singh got for the Ravens. So if you if you look at it, Rocky Singh goes to the Ravens, the Raiders get Marcus Peters. It's basically a swap uh, for, a bl- for a player who has a more established track record of forcing turnovers. One of the criticisms I had of Rocky Asim when the Raiders signed him last offseason is that he doesn't force a lot of turnovers. Plays a solid defense, solid defender on the boundary, but he's not going to get you those interceptions. doesn't have more than, I, I believe, two in, in a season. Uh, as we all know, Marcus Peters has been one of the premier ball hawks, not last year. only had one pick, but again, it was a rough season. One year removed from a torn ACL and a new system. Maybe he bounces back and gets you those multiple turnovers interceptions that he's accustomed to getting at the risk and get that out of him, I would say that's more than their money's worth.
2: Yeah, it, it's definitely, I mean, you look at the numbers and, and again, this guy, when you're, when you're an athlete at that level, you have a lot to prove, especially coming off a, what, what people consider a subpar year. So that to me benefits the Raiders because not only do they get a great deal financially with him, but they also get the opportunity to, to have a player play far beyond the contract. And I hope he does. That, that, that gives him the opportunity to make more money next year, also give the Raiders maybe an opportunity to keep a, a guy And if, if, if the price is right next season. And, you know, a lot of guys, they come back with teams and they feel endeared to that team. Now, it's, it's a money game. It's a business. We've learned that with Josh Jacobs. We talk about it all the time here on the show, Mo. But, you know, you get a guy in, he kind of resurrects his career, gets back to where he was, and he seems, in a lot of cases, they seem to stay there because they're appreciative of the opportunity the team gave them.
3: Yeah, you also gotta remember Marcus Peters once said, you know, he, he's a Raider fan. He grew up a Raider fan following the team football team. As a lot of people know, that's Marshawn Lynch's cousin. Yeah. So he feels he feels a certain attachment to this team that a lot of other players wouldn't feel to their to the team that they play for. So there is that factor. There's a chance that he could stick around beyond this year if he bounces back, has a great year, and he feels comfortable in the system. Who knows where it can go? But of course, we take it one step at a time. And let's just say for now, he's going to probably be the Raiders cornerback one. But let's see him lock down his side of the football. Now, now a lot of people are saying he's washed up. I, I heard that on Twitter over the past couple of days. Oh, he's washed up. He had a down year. Marcus Peters just turned 30 in January. I'm not <laughs> saying that that's young. He's not a spring chicken. But I, I wouldn't say that's that's washed up just turning 30, you know, seven months ago. He's he's not right. much. Um, he's he's not much younger, or he's in the same age group as Devonte Adams. Now, Devontae Adams is playing at a much higher level, yes, but I believe Devontae Adams is turning what thirty one, I believe.
2: Thirty one. A
3: late later in the year, so he and Marcus Peters are in the same age group. It's just that one player is still looked at as being the top of his game. The other players coming off the of down year, so of course people are going to call Marcus Peters washed up at his age. But I think it's more of a. Could be I could see a, a rebound year. Will he get six interceptions? I, you know, that's a tough. That's a tough ask. But if he can get the Raiders three to four interceptions, that's a big upgrade than what they've had over the past few years.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mo, let's talk about. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Josh McDaniels press conference, but uh, again, you roll into camp, everybody's a little excited. There's no there. All the news is good news for the most part, except you know the Josh Jacobs, which he talked about at length too, as well. Uh, and really gave a great answer, uh, which is the only answer you can give, which is, hey, I love the player, respect the player. That's the business side of the game. That's not what I'm about. Uh, but what I noticed v- this year versus last year, and I want to see if you had the same take on this. Now, last year, this these, this, this regime came in, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, came in high expectations. They got a veteran quarterback that had been with the franchise for a long time, uh, had had some good moves. They, they traded for Devontae Adams. So there was a lot of... A lot of hope going into last season. And frankly, they did not do a good job of manning, managing expectations, right? Primarily, as we've discussed here many, many times, they sort of didn't read the room the right way. They didn't feel as though this team would be where they are towards the end of the year. They thought this team would be competing for a playoff spot. This year, a much more level, kind of even handed approach to talking about the season, talking about expectations. Not unexpected, uh, but it's good to see that at least Josh McDaniels perhaps learned from his uh, maybe over-exuberance last season.
3: Definitely see some adjustment to how, you know, how he speaks to the media. I think he's still working on the people part of his job. Because remember, head coaching is not just X's and O's. You have to connect at a certain level with your players. I'm not saying you have to have beers with them at the bar. Yeah. But you have to be able to understand some of their issues, some of what's going on in their lives as a player and as a person. And I want to just connect it to Josh Jacobs' contract situation. One thing that I did notice about Josh McDaniels and his response to the Josh Jacobs' contract question is he used the word respect a lot, mm-hmm. and he said his decision a lot. Those two things mm-hmm. he kind of harped on. So what that tells me is he's he's carefully tiptoeing around this these questions because he doesn't want to say the wrong thing to kind of rub other players the wrong way because there will be other players who are going to be up for contract situations just like Josh Jacobs was. They may not get the same treatment because the running back market is what it is, but Josh McDaniels made it a point to say, look, I respect Josh Jacobs as a person and what he's doing if this is his decision. Josh McDaniels also kind of put this on Dave Ziegler and said, look, I'm a head coach. I want everyone here, but there (laughs) is a business aspect to all of it. So it's kind of like a, hey, you're going to have to ask you know, Dave Ziegler and Tom Delaney about this because I I would prefer to have everyone here, but obviously I can't have that. But as I said last week, while a locker room mutiny is 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 probably a, a hot take, a peak temperature type of situation, Josh McDaniels does have to be careful what he has what he has to say about this Josh Jacobs situation because it could turn certain guys in the locker room against him.
2: It could, and and he definitely is being very careful. Another thing that he talked about real quick before we head to our first break here, coming up after the break will be our NFL insider at Odyssey, Ross Tucker. So don't go anywhere. Uh, Tyree Wilson. Uh, they asked about Tyree Wilson and Josh Jacobs, and this is where fans started to freak out uh, a little <laughs> bit in, in social media where he said no timeline, but he's headed in the right direction. No question about it. I'm excited about that. Okay. So we've been saying since he got drafted here, Mo, on Silver and Black today that he will not start the season ready to go. We just said, look, and if he is ready to go physically, from a speed, from a workout perspective, he's not going to be up to speed. So it's going to take several weeks, which is why I keep saying Chandler Jones getting off to a quick start is so important. Uh, Not surprising. And, you know, as it is with almost everything else in the world today, you hear something and you go from zero to 100 extreme. (laughs) So now I'm getting people tweeting at me, oh, see, terrible. He's never going to play you down with the rate. Okay, let's settle down. Oh, yeah, now, I don't know what's going to happen, but this is not a surprise uh, for those of us who've been monitoring the situation, uh, and Josh McDaniels confirmed that.
3: Now, remember what I said about Jimmy G. The same applies to Tyree Wilson. Josh McDaniels yeah. said there's a rehabilitation period or phase, and then there's a reacclimation phase. And I think Tyree Wilson is in the acclimation phase because – he wasn't there last year, so he can't get reacclimated to something that he didn't know already. Right. right. So he has to get acclimated to the defensive scheme, to Patrick Graham's scheme, before he can fully get on the field. And, of course, there's that injury aspect of this. But as you said, we expected this. I don't know if we need to sit up here with a megaphone and say it louder for people, <laughs> but we, we've said that Tyree Wilson is not going to be a full go, even if he is on the field at training camp. And I said he probably will start off on the, on the pup list because of the fact that He hasn't played football since, I believe, November. So you can't ask a rookie to go from, as you said, zero to 100 from no football activity to banging against, you know, 200 to 300 pound guys in pads. It's just that's just not a realistic expectation. I would hope that Tyree Wilson gets some time in during the preseason, best case scenario, because you don't you want him to at least see the field and feel the speed of the game before he gets on the field for the regular season.
2: Yes. So everybody take a deep breath. It's the first couple of days of camp. <laughs> Exhale. <sighs> um, yeah, okay. All right. There you go. So uh, that's it. We're going to wrap up our first segment here on silver and black today. When we come back, we're going to be joined by NFL insider, Odyssey's own NFL insider. That is of course, Ross Tucker. He's going to be with us. Talk everything about camp, everything about the Raiders. Of course, the running back situation. He's got some, unique views. He is a former NFL player, so we'll get that perspective as well. You're with Mo
0: and Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Silver and Black today here on The Bet in Las Vegas. Also, a hearty hello to our
2: listeners on the podcast. Of course, Odyssey Original Podcast is Silver and Black today covering the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, we're going to jump in. Our special guest today, Odyssey NFL insider, former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker joins us. Ross, the pride of Reading, Pennsylvania. How you doing, man? We appreciate you being with us here on Silver and Black
1: today. Yeah, I am doing great. In particular, the pride of Wyoming, Pennsylvania. There you go. Which is right next to Reading. Do you know about that? Do you know about uh, Redding?
2: I do a little bit. Yeah, so I am actually, here I am covering the Raiders. I moved to Ohio from Las Vegas, uh, but I'm originally a Midwest kid, so I've been all around. My dad was in sales. So I've been everywhere, and so when places pop up, whether it's Pottstown or it's – kind of been through that area a lot, and so it's, it's good to know and always good to meet people from there.
1: I love it. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's funny. I, I grew up a huge Eagles fan outside of Philly and Reading, and I think I played for every team other than the Eagles maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and the Raiders, although I would have always loved to play for the Raiders, man. There was, um, there was something so cool – about the Raiders, their uniforms, by far, to me, the best uniforms in the NFL. And I, I always thought it would be cool to to be able to play for them. Um, and I, I'll tell you guys a quick story. I only played at the Raiders once. And it was 2004. I was playing for the Buffalo Bills. And as far as I knew, it might be the only time I ever was at the black hole, right? Ah. So we come out for pregame warmups and I run right, we're in the end zone where the black hole is. I run right up to the black hole, get like four feet away from them. And I'm like, is this it? Is this all <laughs> you guys got? And they were like, ah, ah trying to like grab for me to do with the spikes and the face. But they're all like, ah, I'm like, this is it. Because I just thought, listen, I don't know how much longer I'm going to play. I don't know if I'll ever play at the Raiders again. I, w- I wanted the full experience. I got it.
2: Yeah, that's funny. And, and, and a typical experience, of course. Uh, he's from the Jersey side, but the, the uh, great Raider, Phil Villapiano, I don't know if you ever spent time with him, uh, but you would get along well with him too as well, especially your affinity for beer, as I know you have. Uh, you should definitely, if you ever around Phil, I know you're going to be calling games on CBS this year as well. So, congratulations yeah, on that. But if Thank you ever. You. Yeah, I
1: really appreciate it. So, so excited, man. I mean, I love yes. calling games. It's like my favorite thing to do. And to be able to do some NFL games this year on, on TV will be great.
2: It will be great. All right, let's jump into what we're dealing with this season. And I know you've done this a lot. Of course, uh, your podcast, you do various podcasts. You're, you're a busy dude, and we appreciate all great content. So, make sure you follow Russ on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. It's Russ Tucker NFL as well so when ross when you look at this and you see what's happened with the running backs uh you're you're you've done a couple of shows addressing this you've even talked to nflpa president jc treader about it give us your opinion i think fans we go back and forth because you you have an interesting perspective you were a player you're on the broadcast side now in the media uh you grew up a fan as well it, for fans, it's really hard to understand when you talk about setting a market and looking at a guy in Las Vegas with Josh Jacobs who, who won the rushing title and can't get money. So when you look at that market, talk about what you've learned about this and, and your, your perspective on what's going on in, in light of the Saquon Barkley situation obviously was resolved itself just the other day.
1: Yeah, so uh, I would encourage people uh, certainly to check out some recent episodes of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Last week, Greg Cosell and I did a deep dive of the NFL Films legend into the value that running backs represent because, you know, there are some people and certainly some numbers people that will tell you, well, running backs don't matter. I, I don't agree with that. Mm. Um, I, I look at it, and I think, how could that? How could you possibly say that mm. when you watch a Browns game and see Nick Chubb or a Titans game and see Derrick Henry? There's no question in my mind that those guys make a difference in the outcome of games. They just do. I mean, they're, they're difference-making players. And I think you could say the same thing about Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs. Now, in fairness to the Giants or the Raiders, these guys, you know, we're looking for between 13 and $16 million a year, right? With, um, significant guarantees of over $22 million. Well, if you're the giants or the Raiders and you realize, well, we can get them for this year for 10 million and next year for 12. So over two years, and we can do it one year at a time and over two years, it's an 11 million average. And it's 22 million total. Why would we pay them 13 to 16 million Mm -hmm. per year? And why would we give them more guaranteed when the injury rate at that position is so high, so significant? And a lot of times guys drop off a cliff, right? We've seen Mm -hmm. that with Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott. And so uh, I think teams are very scared of that. I don't blame them. Now, I will say, like in the giants example supposedly saquon would have been happy with like 12 million a year um and also like 24 million guaranteed so another million per year than what the giants were offering and two more million guaranteed i probably would have done that if i were the giants right to to have him locked up for years and to make sure he was happy however kudos to the giants because they still got him into camp on time. Yeah. I don't know that I would have signed that if I were Saquon Barkley. And quite frankly, if I'm Josh Jacobs, my mindset right now would be I'm not signing until the day before the first game, right? So I'm getting $561,000 a week. I'll sign the day before the first game to get my $10.1 but at that point, it's really up to the Raiders. Do you play him in that first game then? I mean, when he missed the whole week of game planning, probably not, right? Yeah. And then how much do you play him the next week? Because you're probably a little bit worried that he might get hurt, right? He hasn't been there for camp. He missed the whole camp. So if I'm Jacobs, I'm telling the Raiders I'm not showing up until the day before the first game. Unless you either bump up my pay for this year, mm-hmm. and/or agree not to put the franchise tag on me again after this season, Saquon got two million in a signing bonus, a couple months ahead of time, and yep. he got these incentives. I personally would have would have held out for longer if I were Saquon, and skipped. I mean, 45 days of work. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us would skip 45 days of work if we could still get the same amount of money. I mean, I don't know why he did it, but uh, I guess he wanted to be there for training camp with his teammates. Who knows? So, Ross, we've got a lot of
3: crap on this show for saying that the Raiders were – Raiders did what they did, and it was a business decision because of what the market is for the running backs right now. So fans have been telling us – oh, we're unfair to running backs, we're anti-running back, we're anti-Josh Jacobs. From a Raiders perspective, do you agree with how they approach the situation? Because, as you remember, they didn't pick up his tag, and a lot of people say that was a mistake because the tag was worth a little more than $8 million. Uh, So he went into a contract year, and he blew up, won the rushing title. Now they're saying, looking back, if you look at the way the Raiders handled his contract situation, that they mishandled it. What would you say, from a Raiders perspective, how they handled this Josh Jacobs uh, contract impact?
1: Well, so I don't remember what he did his third year for them to make the decision and not pick up his fifth year option. Mm. So I don't, re- I, that you'd have to tell me, I don't remember that. So I don't want to say revisionist history. I mean, obviously hindsight 2020 mm-hmm. knowing what he would do last year, they, they would wish that they had Josh on the fifth year option this year. Right. So right. we can all agree on that. They would have saved a couple million bucks. So that much we can agree on. Um, I don't really understand what the Raiders are doing with most of their contract situations. (laughs) To be honest with you. I mean, they gave Derek Carr a raise, like an extra five million bucks last year, and then bench him during the year, and then they're not even able to trade him, they have to cut him. Just a disaster. I mean, that's a disaster you gave a guy extra money for no reason. And then since you cut him, you don't even get a compensatory pick when he signed somewhere else. And then the Darren Waller deal, pretty much same thing. I mean, right now, Jacobs, you know, the, the best way to get a new contract and then get to go to another team that might be a better team is to sign a new deal with the Raiders, get more money for that year play badly, then they'll they'll get rid of you to some better team. I mean, what are we doing here? It, it's it's wild. It's not good. Um, and with Jacobs, I kind of thought they would try to get it done for a little bit of goodwill, but I, it's the Patriot way, man. They're going to pay people as little uh. as they possibly can, and they'll deal with the consequences of him being unhappy.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting point, and that, that moves me to my next question because – when Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, i.e. the Patriot Way, the guys from New England come over, they inherit a team in 2021 that made the playoffs thanks to a late-season run, to your point. They lose to the Bengals in Cincinnati in that, in that year. Josh McDaniels comes in, talks the team up a lot. They go 6-11. and 11, Carr's gone. Waller's gone, as you mentioned. The fans already have pitchforks and torches out for Josh McDaniels. Not for Dave Ziegler yet, but for Josh McDaniels. You were around him back in 2005 when you played for the Patriots in New England. What do you make of the state of that situation? We know the baggage Josh McDaniels brought with him with his previous experience, even though it was many years ago in Denver. But what do you make of that situation? Because a lot of folks in Raider Nation already unhappy and want him gone. How do you read that situation based on your own personal experience being around McDaniels in New England?
1: So I think Josh, uh, good dude, very, very bright. Um, Awesome offensive mind. I do think, though, you got to look at the track record and wonder what's going on here. I mean, Denver ended up being a disaster. Takes the Colts job and then reneges on it, which is not a good look. And this is not McDaniel's fault. But I thought it was a horrific decision by Mark Davis to get rid of Basaccia and Mayock. Mm. Just absolutely horrific. I don't know why you would do that. For them to overcome the Gruden email thing, the Henry Ruggs thing. Can't even remember the name of the corner from Ohio State that they took in the first round that had the off-the-field issues. For them to do all that, still make the playoffs, be in the red zone against the Super Bowl-bound Bengals at the end of the game, and you don't bring him back on a three-year deal, modest money, and see what he does the next year. Mark Davis thought he was too good for Rich Bisaccia mm-hmm. and he went for the more established prototype McDaniels, and I think it's really, really hurt him. Um I mean, I don't have high expectations for the Raiders at all this year. And I don't know that anybody else could.
3: So that kind of leads me into my next question, and you kind of answered it there, is that you talked about the botched car situation. The, now the impasse with Josh Jacobs. You also said, and I read that, uh, I heard that headline where you said, the Raiders made a mistake. You said Mark Davis blew it by letting Rich Passaccia go and bringing in Josh Daniels. Is there any hope? Is there any glimmer of hope (laughs) for Raiders fans that you're seeing looking ahead, being around Josh McDaniels and knowing the Patriot way, so to speak? Is there anything that fans can hold on to and say, well, there's hope in this that the Raiders can turn this around despite all the past mistakes made?
1: So I think the hope would be Garoppolo's familiarity with McDaniels and vice versa and Garoppolo's ability to run that offense effectively, mm. and they have a good receiving trio. You know, they have Josh Jacobs. I think that is the hope for the Raiders. Um, you know, Jimmy G's been in a different system, though, for several years. Yeah. He missed the whole offseason with this foot surgery. How quickly is the Patriots system going to come back to him? Is, is that the best system for him now, or is he better suited – what Kyle Shanahan was doing? You know, I don't know. It feels to me like the upside for the Raiders is like a 500 season. But I just recorded this week the Even Money betting podcast. And my co-host, Steve Fezzik, who's a Vegas resident, believes the Raiders are one of the six worst teams in the NFL. And I guess probably based on their record last year, they probably were. And I don't know that I see big upgrades this year to think that they're a lot better than they were a year ago.
2: Yeah, it's, it's tough out there. Uh, the other thing I want to get your thoughts on before we uh, let you go, Ross, is uh, you talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. You talk about this situation, in the AFC, which Justin Herbert signs the big deal this week in Los Angeles with the Chargers. He's going to be there for seven seasons now will not be a free agent, so they locked him up. You have Mahomes in Kansas City. You have Russell Wilson, which I think a lot of folks feel like with Sean Payton there is going to be a little more Russ Wilson-like. And suddenly the Raiders are the team in the division with a still, even with Garoppolo there and a steady hand, if he's healthy, how quickly do the Raiders long-term have to catch up in that arms race to stay relevant in the division with the quarterbacks you got there?
1: It feels like the Raiders and Broncos are competing for third. Mm. And it also feels like, if you see the comments from Ziggler and McDaniels, they're trying to buy themselves time. And I think their discussion with Mark Davis is, just wait until we get our franchise quarterback. Just wait until we get that guy. We find that guy. Why well, I think we all agree it's not Jimmy G? I tend to doubt it's Aiden O'Connell, so I don't know. How much time are they going to give these guys? It almost feels like best-case scenario for the Raiders is that they bottom out this year and they can get Caleb Williams or Drake May. It almost feels like that would be the the best thing that could happen to them.
2: Yeah, and a lot of fans feel that way too, Ross, by the way. We're hearing (laughs) from them every week here on the show. You know, tank, tank for Williams, tank for that, tank for May. So they're, they're, I think realistic, at least most fans are. Ross, we appreciate you spending so much time with us. Uh, we'll catch up with you down the line, and and uh, as the NFL season unrolls. And again, congratulations on the CBS gig. Congratulations on everything you're up to, including being the Odyssey NFL Insider. Follow Ross at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter. Thanks, man.
1: My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All
2: right. We'll take care. All right. There you go. Ross Tucker from Odyssey, our NFL insider. Catch him on there as well. When we get back, we'll roll on Raider Nation Mailbag coming up here next on Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Here we are the home stretch of this edition of Silver and Black today. You're hearing us on the bet in oh, the bet. yes, the bet in Las Vegas. on the radio 985 HD2 in Las Vegas. Uh, welcome back to our Las Vegas listeners. We have tons of them on the podcast all year round on the radio here as we come back for our seventh year, six excuse me, sixth year. On Odyssey Radio in Las Vegas. So, welcome back. We are also an Odyssey original podcast covering the Raiders as well. Mo Moten, he's the national senior writer covering the NFL over at Bleach Report, also the Raiders columnist at com. You can follow him on the X uh, at Mo Moten, M O E M O T O N. You can follow me, L V Gully, the show, S N B today. All right, Mo, let's get into this mailbag real quick here as we close out this exciting show. The first week of camp, let's jump right in. It says, hey, guys, really excited about the Marcus Peters signing on Monday. How competitive do you think the battle for the cornerbacks position will be this training temp- camp That's Russell in Pleasanton up in the East Bay area of uh, California. Russell's asking the question, Mo, how competitive will it be at cornerback with Marcus Peters now part of the Las Vegas Raiders?
3: I think the biggest competition will be cornerback number two on the boundary. I believe Nate Hobbs is going to probably move back to the slot. We'll have to battle or fend off Tyler Hall for that spot. If you remember, I referenced Vic Taper's piece to f- a couple of weeks ago. He said that Nate Hobbs preferred to play in the slot. These are Vic's mm-hmm. words, not my words. I didn't talk to Nate Hobbs. These are Vic's words in his piece that, Nahas prefers a slot. So that leaves open the boundary spot opposite of Marcus Peters, which I said will be open competition. David Long Jr., Ja'Cory and Bennett, Duke Shelley, those three guys will have a shot uh, to, to nail down that spot. Maybe even Amik Robertson if, if the Raiders want to uh, have him on the outside. There will be competition mm-hmm. for that, heavy competition for that spot. I, I'm interested to see who comes out on top. I, I my sleeper pick for that, of course, is Jacorian Bennett. I've been talking about Jacorian Bennett all offseason. Reportedly, he had a pretty good OTA's, uh, OTA phase of the of the offseason program. I like Jacorian Bennett, but if I'm going with a veteran, I say I would say Brendan Faison, who I didn't mention in that group. He's also in that competition. Brendan Faison is, is a is a veteran. Played for the Raiders yes. under Gus Bradley. Different system, of course, but I think based on experience, starting experience, Faison probably has the upper hand there. Uh, for that cornerback two spot.
2: Absolutely. And we got news, of course, on uh, on Tuesday, Mo, that Justin Herbert, Chargers, signs a five-year extension. He is now a Charger until 2029, seven years, basically. So the Raiders are going to be in a division with those three quarterbacks uh, for a long time. And so uh, to get that cornerback uh, core up to speed, they also need help with safety, as we talked about before as well. But that's going to be a big deal. So they really need to figure it out and figure it out fast because the ball is going to be flying all over the place in the AFC West. All right. Russell in Pleasanton, thank you for your question uh, as we roll on here on the Raider Nation Mailbag on Silver and Black Today. It says, Mo and Scott, you guys said on your last show that McDaniels doesn't like mobile quarterbacks. How do you know? (laughs) How do you know, Mo? Mo? His offense is also run in Buffalo, our similar office, and Josh Allen is more mobile. Maybe he just hasn't had the chance to get a quarterback with those with more of those skills. Thanks, Ray in Chicago. Ray's written in before, I think, last season, because I always remember that Raider fan in Chicago has got to feel pretty interesting. Uh, but, but what about that, Mo? He, he talks about, we talked about, and you've talked about ad nauseum, actually, how Josh McDaniels, I mean, clearly... How do we know he doesn't necessarily value as highly mobile quarterbacks? He signed Jimmy Garoppolo for number one. Uh, but, Mo, talk about the system. And, and if, if Ray has a point there, if there's similarities, obviously, with what Dable does up uh, – uh, or it's not Dable, that's New York. Uh, but what, what, what happens in Buffalo with Josh Allen running a similar offense?
3: Here's the thing, Ray. His, his offense may be run in Buffalo, but guess who doesn't coach in Buffalo? Josh McDaniels <laughs> and he, Josh McDaniels doesn't have Josh Allen. And so if you, if how do we know, just look at Josh McDaniels history of quarterbacks aside from Tom Brady, put Tom Brady aside because they're not, you know, the Patriots weren't going to move on from Tom Brady. He's winning them Super Bowls and, and won a bunch of games. Tom Brady aside, look at the quarterbacks that the Patriots Patriots have had under Josh McDaniels, Matt Castle, Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham. Now Jared Stidham is mobile. Not Supermobile, was a dual threat athlete coming into, I believe, college, but not going to run with the football a whole lot. Now, they had Cam Newton, and a lot of people want to bring up Cam Newton and Tim Tebow, and I get Tim Tebow, athletic quarterback. That was over a decade ago. Cam Newton, the situation with Cam Newton was very unique in the sense that the Patriots signed him in June of that offseason. I want to say it's 2020, I believe. They signed him in June, late June, which means he was a last resort option. It wasn't. It wasn't a first, uh, a first pick for them as we're going to go with Cam Newton in March when Frazier starts. They <laughs> signed him in June after exactly. the Tom Brady era had ended and Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. Look at what he has now right now on the depth chart if you want to go current time. As you said, Jimmy Garoppolo, not the most mobile quarterback. Can he bootleg out? Can he move his legs a little bit? Yes, but not considered a mobile quarterback. Aiden O'Connell, the one weakness in Aiden O'Connell's game, if anyone can point it out very easily, lack of mobility. Brian Hoyer is 58 years old. He's not moving. Okay. <laughs> He's so older than me. <laughs> Josh Josh McDaniels had opportunities to draft more mobile quarterbacks. He had a chance to get other rookies that were more mobile in this draft class. He went with Aiden O'Connell, who's one of the least mobile quarterbacks in this draft class. So that tells you, that gives you clues of what Josh McDaniels wants. He wants more of yes. a pocket passer.
2: So there you go, Ray. It's called actions. We're judging him on his actions. Right. Uh and yes, the offense can can certainly benefit from a mobile quarterback. Doesn't mean you can't run a mobile quarterback in that offense, but clearly Josh McDaniels likes guys who have their feet in cement. So there you go, Ray in Chicago. We appreciate uh, your question. All right, getting to our last question of the mailbag for this week. This comes to us from Jacob in Las Vegas, and he's got some words for me, Mo. He says, "Hey Scott, why are you so anti-running back and Josh Jacobs?" The guy, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jacob. Uh, the guy deserves to be paid what he's worth. And Mark Davis, again, is being cheap and showing he knows nothing about building a winner. You're wrong on this. And I hope all of these running backs stick it to the owners. That's Jacob in Las Vegas. Jacob, thanks of all, first of all, for listening and for writing in. So a couple things. I'm not anti-running backer Josh Jacobs. Uh, you might need to go back and listen to the show some more because I have said every time we've talked about Josh Jacobs, I've talked about what a good young man he is. i talked about what a great running back he is. But again, I don't control the market. Again, making analogies. I Listen, Hyundais are great cars. Are they Mercedes? No. The value of a Mercedes and a Hyundai, even though they're great, both great cars, are different. I don't make the market. I'm just telling you, Based on the market and looking at it, see, I don't look at it as an emotional fan. I'm looking at it as an objective party, who a disinterested party, if you will, to use a legal term. And what it says to me is the NFL, and we saw on Tuesday, Saquon Barkley, Monday, right? Saquon Barkley basically signs the tag, gets an extension on his year, gets a little bit, bit of money, $2 million up front, instead of in his salary, and he ends up making $900,000 more than the tag would have paid him. So that tells you, remember Saquon Barkley, who was talking about F this and F that and F them and F whoever? He went in. So again, I'm not creating the value. What we've said on this show, and I think, Mo, you've been consistent too, is, look, it's not about whether we like the guy or not or whether he deserves it or whether life is fair. It is the market, and the market dictates what they get paid. So I'm not anti-running back. And, and if they want to stick it to the owners, they're not sticking it to the owners. The owners go on. The owners save money if they don't come in. And in fact, the only people who lose in that situation are the running backs. So you can be angry and upset about it, but it's not going to do anything.
3: I'll say this. Uh, Josh Jacobs doesn't have much leverage now in terms of, uh, zero. You know, you know, getting a deal. But number one, he can't get a multi-year deal because I want to answer this now because a lot of people ask me this on Twitter. They said hey, Saquon Barkley reworked his uh contract, so that means that the Raiders can sign Josh Jacobs to New Deal and offer for more money. Not true. Uh, as I said on the previous show, I pointed out Joe Corey's piece that you can rework or modify the franchise tender, but you're still gonna play for about 10.1 million. Saquon Barkley's contract is nine hundred nine hundred thousand dollars in incentives. The the Giants have to make the playoffs and he has to rush for over 1300 yards, he has to have like 65 receptions and there's another category, but he doesn't get that money. He's not guaranteed to get that money. He only gets that money if he meets those qualifications, those thresholds. So, he's still playing for 10.1 million a year for one year. Yeah. He's just getting 2 million up front in signing bonus and again, those incentives are tacked on, but the basis of his contract is still 10.1 million one year. That doesn't change.
2: Right. Absolutely. Well said. All right. Well, that's going to close out our mailbag segment and this edition of Silver and Black today. I want to thank Ross Tucker for being with us, being our guest. Uh, make sure you follow Ross on the X on Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at Ross Tucker NFL. Mo is Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am Scott and You can follow me at LV Gully. To our listeners in Las Vegas on the radio, on the bet there in Las Vegas, thanks for being with us. To our listeners on the podcast, thanks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio also, thank you to the YouTube audience. Mo, I will see you early next week as we wrap up what happened over the weekend and as camp rolls on.
3: Getting ready for preseason football. See you then.
2: All right. There you go. For our producer, Mike Rabier, Formo and I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend.